Father, unto you we have come again tonight. If it were to man, many of us would give excuses why we shouldn't be here. But because it's you, Peter said, for you have the word of life. To whom shall we go? You're the only place of solace that we have. You're the only rock of defense that we have. You're a pillar of rest. There is nothing that we have, we know that, that did not come from you. Knowing this draws us continually to your presence. For your word tells us in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And your word is the building material that you use to build our lives, particularly our relationship with you. And tonight, as we have come together to feast, we ask that your power will rest upon your word. You will grant clarity of understanding. Lord, you will grant us the ability to respond appropriately, not just for tonight, but after tonight. Let it be that our lives will be an increasing on an increasing tempo, particularly spiritually as we walk with you. Lord, we thank you because we know you're here. Holy Spirit, speak through the lips of clay. And Lord, bypass my imagination tonight and communicate your truth to your people. Thank you, Father. Wherever we have been struggling tonight, Lord, let there be clarity of instruction. And let there be an inner strength being imbued into us tonight. We give you glory tonight. We bless your name. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I was reading a story. I'm going to begin again tonight with a story. I was reading a story of a man. Who <laughs> my sister was smiling when I said a story. A man was actually going out together with his wife. They were just trying to take his, you know, just going out, just taking a walk together with his wife. And as they were going, suddenly it was a bit cloudy and it was about to rain. The story had it that in no time after it was cloudy, it started to, there was a little downpour. But somehow it stopped. It started to, you know, there was a little bit of hail coming down from above. And it was so bad. You know, a lot of people had run into the houses. They couldn't find a place to actually hide. I don't know where they were going. And so the hail, it was said it was a true, true story. And the hail was really coming with full force, you know, uh, you know, the hair, you know, it's a small <laughs> pebbles coming. Uh, initially, they were thinking they could cope with it, but it was getting heavier and stronger. It was so bad that the man had to, you know, somehow, not really pushed, but, you know, couched on his wife, you know, somewhere, you know, to just serve as a protective covering for her because it was really bad. Uh, according to the story, when it was as though it was going to stop, it became heavier. As it became heavier, the man was being hit in his ears on most part of his body, so, so much so that he collapsed on his wife. When he collapsed, the stone did not stop. The hail did not stop. And the wife was just under the man until the hail eventually stopped. And when the whole thing was over, it was bleeding all over his ears and all over major parts of his body. And the scar was so bad that it was very obvious that, you know, it was a major injury that, you know, the damage that was caused on his body. When this happened, it was said in that story, few weeks after, of course, after I'd been nursed, everything came back, but the scars were still all over him. 
and somebody asked the wife and said, what's your impression about this whole issue? The wife said, look, each time that I see the mark on him and the scars on him, it just tells me how much he loves me. It also tells me that I will love him forever. If he could do that for me, he would do anything for me. You know, many of us are going to discover that when we get to heaven, there is only one person who is going to have holes in his hands. He's going to have holes in his feet. You're going to see holes on his side. No other person will have it. His name is Jesus. That is a reflection of how much he loves us. He took your place and my place and went straight to the cross and he was nailed willingly to the cross. He released himself to be nailed. I've said it here before. The Bible tells us no one you know, no one took my life from me. I lay it down on myself that I may take it again. John chapter 10, Jesus saying that. So Jesus willingly laid down his life that we all might be redeemed of God. Now tonight I'm going to be sharing with us on what I call a broken for a purpose. Broken for a purpose. The story we read in the book of Matthew chapter 26, it's an incredible revelation of what happened, transpired in the house of Simon the leper. But before I get into the details of the story, let me quickly say this to us. In that same chapter 26 of the book of Matthew, if you read verse 2, it says, You know that after two days is the Passover. That scripture tells us that Passover wasn't long from there. It was almost time for the Passover feast. For many of us who are familiar with, the, with Israel and with the feast in Israel, Passover feast was a celebration. It's still a celebration of great deliverance among the Jews. It's a celebration of life. For many of us who are Bible students, you will understand that the Passover feast is a commemoration of an event that took place in the book of Exodus chapter 12 when the angel of destruction came over the land of Egypt to destroy the firstborn in every household. But he received an instruction from heaven that on every house, on every doorpost and lintel where there is a mark of the blood, the angel of destruction must pass it over. So to an average Jew, a Passover was a celebration of great deliverance. It was a celebration of a distinction between those who were of God and those who were not. Hallelujah. That was what the Passover was. It was a commemoration of life. But the Bible says here, but you also will remember with me that in spite of the fact that it was a celebration of life for Israel in the book of Exodus chapter 12, however... It was not the same for the Egyptians. That same day where the Passover was over every house where the blood was seen, it was a story of destruction and victim. Uh, sorry, a story of destruction and horror in every home of an average Egyptian. And I believe that every firstborn of every Egyptian was, became a victim of Pharaoh's obstinacy, 
disobedience and cockiness. We remember that Pharaoh was very cocky. In spite of the, you know, the things that God showed to Pharaoh, he refused to let the people of God go. And because of his cockiness, God decided to manifest his power by sending the angel of destruction to destroy every firstborn of an average Egyptian. That was what the story was. Now, in this story we're reading in the book of Matthew chapter 6, the entire land of Israel was preparing for a celebration of life. Is that true? However, for Jesus, it was an anticipation. It was an anticipation of betrayal. It was an anticipation of death. It was an anticipation of the cross. Do we see the contrast in what I'm saying tonight? To the entire land, it was life. It was a celebration of life. It was expected. Everybody was preparing. Every family was getting ready. But to one man, it was an expectation of betrayal and death. That's not where I'm going tonight. From this story, we'll remember that in the book of Mark chapter 14 from verses 3 to 9, there was a similar story. I believe it was the same story that was repeated by Mark, you know, one of the disciples. It was the same story that we read tonight. There was a lot of similarity from what he said. From the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 to 9, we can write it down. Mark, chapter 14, it was also recorded, it was two days to the Passover. So it was a similar story that was being recorded by the same man. And it was also mentioned in the book of Acts that a woman came in at Bethany. Came into the house of Simon the leper. I want to say this to us tonight. My belief is this. That Simon or Simon, whichever way we want to pronounce it, was already healed of his leprosy. Because if you understand the tradition of an average, of an average Israel, every leper was a cast away. You were not allowed to actually dwell among the people. Every discovery of leprosy was announced and eroded with bells. If a leper was walking by the street, it would be ringing. Unclean, unclean, unclean. Everybody takes off from a leper. Nobody waits. But the story of Simon was different. My belief was that he was already healed. I wanted to note that. I'm going to get there, but I wanted to note that. So we saw that it was a similar story also in the book of Acts. But there was something I wanted to observe from these two books. If you observe Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says a woman came in into the house of leper. The name of this woman was not mentioned. Hallelujah. From the book of John chapter 12 we read, it was said that Mary came in. In the book of Matthew, the scholars and most theologians believed that the story in the book of Matthew chapter 26 and also Mark chapter 14 was also Mary. But I want to stay within the confines of what we read in the scripture. The name was not given. So I'm going to consider that maybe it was Mary and maybe not. That's what the scholars believed that it was the same Mary who came in. Now, let me quickly identify a few things here which will be very important to us. There are a few differences between the book of Mark and also the book of Matthew. Not differences. It's just, 
additional information that we got from one that we did not have from the, from the other. How many of us know that if something happens in this room, some of us are going to see it differently? And your record of what happened is going to be different. How many of us know what I'm talking about? If you, if you check three, four people's records, there will be more detailed information for those who are very, that we're, you know, we, are, we have eyes for detail better than one another. When something happens, there are people with eyes of detail, you know, for details. They know how to record issues. One of them is my brother. You know, when he records those journey that you have, <laughs> when I read them in between lines, I travel and I try to see, do I see all of those things he sees? I don't think I do. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. So we have eyes for details more than one another. Now, from the record of Mac, Mark recorded that when this woman came into where Jesus was in to eat with Simon, she broke the alabaster box. Matthew just says she poured it. There are a few, few differences I want us to see. Now, it was also recorded in the book of Matthew that it was to be sold for much. The book of Mark tells us that it was to be sold for 300 dinari or dinari. Now, from the book of John, we understand that the Bible says, I wanted to turn with me to John chapter 12. I, I don't want to just quote it. I wanted to see it. John chapter 12. Let's take a look at what the scripture says in verse 1. The Bible said, Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who served at the table with him. Now, the same, very similar story, but this experience in the book of John says six days. The one in the book of Matthew and Mark says two days. So my belief is that these two events occurred within the same week. Hallelujah. These two events occurred within the same week. So before Jesus was arrested to be crucified, six days before the Passover, two days before the Passover, Jesus had a unique experience which worth nothing. That's why we're studying this tonight. Broken for a purpose. It is also my belief. I haven't studied the scriptures. That there are certain things that are common to all of these experiences in all the three scriptures. And I've divided them into three places. You can write them down in your notes and break them into three places. One, I call it action. Two, I call it reaction. And three, I call it counter-reaction. i read it again. Action. Number two, reaction. Number three, counter-reaction. Hallelujah. From the story we read in Matthew chapter 26 and also the book of Mark chapter 14, it was said that a woman entered into the place where the lepers, where the, the house of the Simon the leper. Jesus was there to eat together with his disciples. When Jesus entered, a woman just walked in. Some said Mary. And she looked at Jesus and the Bible says, and she poured the oil on his head. Mark saw, maybe what others didn't see, he saw that when she came in, 
she was so much joyfully interested in what she wanted to do. She could not wait. She broke. Maybe she tried to open. It wouldn't open. She broke the head of the alabaster box and poured it right on Jesus' head. It was strange to many of the disciples. They've never seen that before. I also believe that's the action. Number one, I'm trying to discuss what the action was for us. The Bible says from the record that we read that this was poured on Jesus' head in those two books. Now, and it was also recorded that the fragrance actually filled the house according to the book of John. The book of John says that it was poured upon Jesus' feet. And Mary came in and began to wipe his leg with her hair. Jesus was a few days from his death. Jesus was a few days from the very purpose why God sent him to the world. It was just a matter of hours for Jesus to become the perfect sacrifice of the Father. Now, let me quickly do a few things for us to remember. Do you remember that when Jesus was buried, the women came to the tomb to actually anoint him, but he was no more there. No wonder Jesus made a reference here and said, look, she did this for my burial. In other words, it was an anticipation for an event that was yet to take place. Now, how many of us know tonight that I believe in my heart that Mary and the other woman had no idea of what they were doing? There was a pool inside them. That's what I believe the Lord wants us to see tonight. Hallelujah. From the action, it was said the oil was poured. Something was mentioned about what kind of oil was poured. It was the oil of spikenard. Now, it was not just the oil that was the issue. It was the price of the oil that was the issue. How I many of us know what I'm saying? In all of these records, it was said, this could have been sold for so much. In Mark, it could have been sold for 300 denarii. In John, it could have been sold for 300 denarii. Why was this said? A denarii in Israel, at the time it was said, I don't know whether this record is true. I was checking one of the commentaries. They said, 300 dinary was actually like, it's like $195 today. I'm not sure how accurate that is. But among the Jews, dinary was a day's wage. I hope we're listening. A dinary was a day's wage. When people go to work, what you're paid for your wage that day is a dinary. Now, this was worth 300 dinary. It was said that it means. What this woman did was what could have been sufficient to pay a man annual salary. Do we understand where we're going? Now, I'm trying to examine the value, the price of what these women came to do. They ignored the price. They ignored the value of the oil. Jesus to these women was more important than the price of the oil. I believe 
what we saw in this scripture was not ordinary. It was an import of devotion. To me, I see this as the highest expression of worship. Hallelujah. It was the highest expression of what? Of worship. I also saw that when she poured it on the, on the feet of Jesus, she began to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair, which was a symbol among the Jews of humility and love. You cannot do that except you have true love and humility to whoever you're doing that to. It reveals an inner value. It reveals an inner worth placed on Jesus because I can just hear the heart of these women saying, nothing is too much to exchange for what he has done for me. How many of us are coming along with me? This is what I saw here. This was the action. We saw the hoy. The woman came in and poured it on Jesus. What was the reaction? I want everybody to follow this. What was the reaction? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26. This is the reaction when this woman, these women in different parts of the scripture poured the hoy. The Bible tells us in verse um, 8. But when his disciples saw it, they became indignant. They were hungry, saying, why this waste? Hello? In other words, is she out of her mind? Why is she wasting so much money? Just a waste. Jesus isn't going to do anything with this oil. She's just pouring the oil on his head for nothing. It is believed in some circles that maybe it was Judas that began to talk. And he sold that idea to all the disciples and none of them was thinking properly. And all of them began to say, it is true. Why can she do that? She could have given the money, we could have sold this oil, and we could have given it to the poor. What an incredible reaction. This is my belief from what I read. It was considered that what this woman did was a waste. And I said to myself, a waste? Yes, a waste. Why did they think it was a waste? It was because of the cost of the oil. If it was an oil that worth nothing, nobody would have bothered about it. Is that true, everybody? But because of the worth and the value of what was done, they became indignant. They considered it that she gave too much. That was unnecessary. That was the belief of this man. May I say this to us tonight? There is nothing that you offer to Jesus that is ever going to be too much. Many of us thought, I've heard people talking, that giving our lives to Christ, we were doing God's favor. We were doing God a favor. I've seen people saying that. That God, if you don't do this, I'm going to go back. I'm not going to follow you anymore. You really don't understand what you're doing. You're not doing him a favor. He did you the greatest favor that will ever be done to anyone. He gave you everything. These women came in not asking for prayers. They came here not asking for help. 
They came in not asking for deliverance. They came in not requesting for harms. They came in not looking at the eyes of, of the disciples. Because I'm sure when they saw what they were doing, they would have been looking at them. What, did, what does she think she's doing? They had a focus. And their focus was totally a devotion to Jesus. That's why I love the song we sang tonight. Take my life and let it be consecrated unto you. I believe this is a story of consecration. I believe this is a story of true worship. Indeed, many of the times we misunderstand worship is. Worship is defined in the attitude and in the way we respond to the master. What value does Jesus hold in my life? Hallelujah. What value does he hold? Let me quickly give us stories tonight. I was reading 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I would like us to go on a journey with me tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let's take a look at this man. The Bible says here, we all remember David. When David was returning, when they went to the house of Obedidom to take back the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, that had been in the house of Obedidom, that had become a source of blessing to Obedidom, and they were bringing the ark of covenant back in 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 12, now it was told King David saying, the Lord had blessed the house of Obedidom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom to the city of David with what? With gladness. I have not finished. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Do we see that? The Bible says in verse 14, then David did what? Danced. It is not a dance before the Lord. With what? With all his might. And David was wearing a leaning ephod. For many of us who are Bible students, a leaning ephod was for the priest. David took the royal garment, the royal robe, took it out. He wore the, the robe of the priest because the priest necessarily were the people that were assigned to minister to the Lord in the house of God and they were to communicate to God on behalf of the people. So he needed the robe of a priest to be able to minister because the hack was a visible representation of the invisible God. I'll say it again. The, the ark was the visible representation of the invisible God. So David took the royalty out because there was something that was more important than royalty. It was worship. Hallelujah, everybody. There was something that was more important than dignity. David saw that worship is more important than dignity, than position, than royalty. He took the royalty out. He took the robe of a priest and David began to dance before the Lord. The Bible says, with all of his might. In other words, David gave everything. You wouldn't understand this much. Let's read the other passage. Let's keep reading. The Bible says, so David 
And all his house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Let's watch this verse. Verse 16. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping, walling. Do we understand the word walling? The man was walling and leaping and dancing. And the Bible says, before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. She saw what David was doing. David said, may the Lord be praised forever. Glory be to the God of heaven. Who has made it possible for us today. To return the hack of God back to the house of God. The God of Israel. The God who delivered his people from thousands of enemies. The Lord who has brought us out of captivity. The Lord of glory. He is the Lord. David began to dance. And the Bible said the people began to shout. And David danced with all of his might. The Bible said he was sleeping and wiling. He was dancing. I love one version of the Bible. The bar, that scripture, that version says, and David danced in reckless abandon. David forgot he was a king. May I say this to us tonight? When we come into this place, wherever you are, and wherever you, keep it outside. When we come in here, there is only one person who matters. It is the king that we serve. David got to the presence. He knew it was the king that mattered. When his wife saw him, he said, what are you doing? Let's read the other verse because I saw something in this passage. The Bible tells us in verse 17, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place. In the midst of the tabernacle of David that I, that the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offering before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of the host. Then he distributed among all the people, among all the multitude of Israel, both men and women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. Are we watching this? He returned to do what? To bless. He has blessed the people of God. He was returning to bless his own household. The Bible, and Micah, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. As one of the base fellows, one of the useless fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. That's what Micah saw. What was the response of David? David said. <laughs> and so David said to Micah. Because I can just imagine. It was before the Lord. Please I want everybody to underline that in your Bible. It was what? You know the meaning of that? What you saw was true. But who am I? It was before the Lord. It was the big, I'm a king right? That's what you're thinking. My dignity. But it was before the king of kings. I had no person. I have no person. I have no dignity. David gave it everything. That's worship. When we accord of God, when we come into his place, we must recognize there is only one acceptable sacrifice. And that sacrifice comes from the heart. When it is done with everything we've got, the songwriter says, take my leaves. 
Let them sing in ceaseless praise to you. What a life. Take my will. Take everything that I got. Take my life. And let them be continuous worship to you. This is exactly what happened to David. Let me finish. So David said to Micah, it was before the Lord. Who chose me instead of your father? You want to hear? You want to know why I'm doing that? I'll let you know. He chose me in place of your father. David said, and all his house, and to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music. You haven't seen nothing. I will play music before the Lord. Verse 22. And I will even be more undignified. How many of us are having a Bible in our hands? It says, I will even be more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservant of whom you have spoken, by them I will be heard in honor. In other words, David said, listen. What you think is an honor is no honor. I am before the king of kings. When you come before the king of kings, you lose your dignity. Because he is all that you need. That is the true worship. David was a broken man. David was, he didn't just stumble. To, he didn't stumble at kingship and royalty. David was a prepared man for a prepared place. David was ready. David knew who put him there. David knew it was not his ability. It was not his skill. It was not his understanding. It was not his wisdom. It was not his strength. No! It was not his beauty. It was the Lord who put him there. I remember 2 Samuel chapter 24. I love the way David said. The Bible says, it was God who took me from the sheepfold and put me to be a king over his people. You know what David didn't see? David did not see all the troubles that Saul brought to him. All he saw was that once I was a shepherd, now I'm a king. Only one person did that. God of heaven. Worship. Let me tell us another story. One day, a child that was born by this man, the name is Solomon. Second Kings, sorry, First Kings chapter 3 from verse 4 and also Second Chronicles. Chapter 1. The Bible says this was a young man who learned a few things. I believe that David gave part of his life, you know, gave out of his, the abundance of his life to Solomon. And Solomon one day looked around and looked at himself, saw the emptiness and inability to lead these people. There were so many elderly men. He was just a young man. And he looked around and said, how am I going to do this? These people in their millions he must never make the wrong decisions. It was going to lead to a major destruction. Don't forget what his father did. David made a major decision and several thousands of people of Israel were destroyed. So he knew the weight of the office. But he knew it would not happen anyhow. It would happen by recognizing the weight, the honor, the dignity of the God that we serve. Solomon came before the Bible and he offered a thousand sacrifices. Nobody has ever done that in Israel. Nobody has ever done that. I'm sure the people that were running was looking at him and said, maybe he didn't get what his father was doing. Maybe he's run out of his mind. He offered everything he's got to God. And you know what happened? The next verse, in verse 5, verse 6, the Bible says, and that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask me what you want me to give to you. I want to say this tonight. What Solomon did, Triggered the reaction in heaven. 
there is something that we do as a people. God is watching. Look, it is God who rewards openly the things that we do secretly. Look, I want us to understand that God has the ability to effect a change in a man's life. But you see, what is in my heart? Am I truly broken? Solomon, at this time, before his heart, because that's what the scripture says. The Bible says his wives, his many wives, that's a later part of Solomon's life, had stolen his heart away from God. Initially, he knew God. Initially, he understood what the father told him. He was consecrated to God at that time. He offered a thousand sacrifices. Number three, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24, there was a story of when Israel was destroyed. I just mentioned it. And when David was to atone for the destruction among the people of Israel, he went to the threshing floor of Arauna. 2 Samuel chapter 24. And he asked Arauna, please, can you please give me an opportunity to buy this land so that I can rebuild an altar to God on behalf of the people so that the destruction and the plague can stop. Arana said, ah, king, choose whatever you want. It's free. But David made a, pro a profound statement that will linger all eternity. It will never be forgotten. It's a statement that we will never forget all our lives. Second Samuel chapter, chapter 24. I want everybody to read it. I just don't want to quote it. Second Samuel chapter 24. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 24. It made a pro very profound statement. Verse 20, verse, um, verse 20 and 24. I'm just going to read from here. Let me read verse 24. They, then the Bible said, Then the king said to Arana, No, because he offered him a free gift. No. But I will surely buy it from you for what? A price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me what? Nothing. Value. Value. Does this sound like the story we read in Matthew, Mark, and John? It says, I'm not just going to bring anything to God. He deserves more than that. Now, I'm not talking about money tonight. Please take your mind away from money. I'm talking about value. I will not give unto God something that cost me nothing. Every penny that Arana demanded for, he gave. It was nothing to David because God was worth more than that. In the first two stories that I said, that of Solomon and the first of David, they were a story of worship. Now the second story was that of atonement. Because of the costly worship that David gave, God stopped the plague and the people became delivered. Now I want us to pay attention. What I'm talking about now is reaction. I'm still on reaction. We're, we're dealing with three things. Action, reaction, and counter reaction. Reaction. Now part of the reaction that I saw, this is one part of the reaction. The cost of the oil. The second part of the reaction, how many of us know that the world will never notice you? Until they observe a strange commitment for, from you to God. They never notice you. You're not different from every other person. But when you begin to do something that others don't do, they begin to ask questions. Part of the things I saw is this. Do you know that the world thinks that when we come to him, we're wasting time? That's the way they see it. It's a waste. That's what the disciples They said it's a waste. You're wasting. You're wasting things away. Many of them think we're wasting our lives away by coming before him. They say things like this. You could have spent those precious time doing something more productive for your life than just going to church, you know, just going around. 
They also will say things that like, instead of, you know, using your imagination and your intellect, all you do is spending time, you know, trying, expecting a miracle. It's like a waste. Number two, they think we're wasting our resources. When we say that, oh, when we support missions and missionaries, they think we're wasting time. When we spend our money, you know, when we bring our tithes and offering to the house of God, you know the questions are usually, these questions kept coming every year. Who spend those money? That's what they say. They look at the resources and they think you're wasting it. Who spend those money? Where, where does those money go? Number three, they think we're compromising our comfort. That's what, the way, that's what the world sees. They think we're compromising our comfort. Many times, many of us are here tonight, we spend time before God at night just, just telling God, all I want to do tonight is to say I love you. In vigils, in prayer. You know when you fast, how many of us have been in offices where people don't fast? Ah, you don't eat. What happened to you? Well, I'm just, uh, I just don't want to eat. Meanwhile, there are people who make a noise about what they do. And they look at you and say, you are denying yourself food? You're denying yourself food. You're denying yourself comfort. How good is food is? Comfort. The world thinks of comfort. And they think we're wasting our lives. How many of us think that sometimes the world has certain things? Look at the luxury they live in. I'm not saying that God cannot bless you. I'm saying your life is not contained in any of those. Our lives are a worship to God. They don't understand it. Let me quickly close up on this. Number three, a counter-reaction. What did Jesus say when all of this was done? Let's listen to Jesus. Matthew chapter 26. Hallelujah. I know this is, this is more like a study tonight and I want us to pay attention to it. Matthew chapter 26. I like this because God really touched my heart reading this true story. This story. In verse 10, this is Jesus' Jesus's reaction. The Bible says, Jesus said, when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she had done a good work for me. I like the way they call it, a good work for me. He's done a good work. Jesus' reaction was that, all that you saw and you were angry about was good. Hallelujah. Jesus said it was good. What was good? The sacrifice, the devotion, the sacrifice, the commitment, Jesus said, it was a good thing. Number two, the scripture says, for you, have, for you have the poor with you always, but me, you do not always have. How many of us know that sometimes people hide behind certain things? It was said that actually Judas did not intend to give the money to the poor. He was a thief. He was going to steal the money from the poor. And he said, Jesus, why did you give this? Why did you allow that? We could have given the money to the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you always have. Jesus is saying, look, I understand. It was not that Jesus discountenanced the reason to bless the poor. No. Jesus is saying, the poor will always be around. And you always have extras for the poor. But for me, it is time for me to be worshipped. 
What is he saying here? Look, this is what I came to understand. How many of us notice that many times we want to replace sacrifice for obedience? How many of us know what I'm talking about? God wants us to walk in obedience. And many times people bring things to other people to appeal to God and appease him. He said, no, that's not what I need. I do not need you to do things. Services are okay. But much more than service is the worship of Jehovah himself. Don't replace one ounce of your obedience for sacrifice. Don't bring sacrifice in place of obedience. Jesus was teaching the book of Matthew. He said, when a man offends, you know, he has an issue with his brother. He brings his gift to the, to the altar. Let him leave the gift there. Go back, reconcile with his brother, and offer sacrifices to God. Why was that necessary? It was not because there was no sacrifice. Jesus is saying, there is more to living in peace and being my children. And exhibiting the true worship, to me, the true worship is walking in peace with your brother than just bringing a sacrifice to me. I do not regard the sacrifice, I regard your heart. What's in your heart? Hallelujah. This is where I'm going to close tonight. I have not closed. I want us to get the import of this story. In Luke chapter 7, I didn't mention Luke all the time that I've been talking. That was a story in Luke chapter 7. Very interesting story in Luke chapter 7. Very similar to what we have read tonight. But it's a little different. A little bit different. I'm just going to read part of that story and I want us to listen. Luke chapter 7 from verses 37 to 39. Are we all there together? Luke chapter 7 verses 37 to 39. And behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. I want us to underline in our Bible who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Similar? The Bible says, and stood at his feet by eyeing him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with a fragrant oil. Now the Pharisee's the Pharisee, who, the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would, have, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Very similar story. But the, the difference is this. How many of us know that Mary was not a sinner? Mary was a saint. Permit me to use the word saint. Mary knew the Lord. But this woman did not know the Lord. I'm going to bring this story together. To Mary. After many years of knowing Jesus. Please, I want us to pay attention to This is really the meat of the whole story. All that I've been saying, they are just explanation. This is the real meat. After many years of knowing Jesus. This is my conclusion about Mary's reaction. Mary, Jesus' value before Mary never diminished. I'm going to say it again. I don't know that we get that. To Mary, in spite of the fact that she had known Jesus for years, Jesus' value did not what? Diminish. How many of us know the longer you know people, the, the less they become in terms of value? 
the closer you, be, you get to people, if you're not careful, you are likely to play down a little bit on their value. Because when you know people, you know their do's and don'ts, then you begin to see some flaws in them. But to Mary, Jesus did not diminish in value. Do you know in church today, to many believers, amazingly, don't let me say believers, people who walk into church, Jesus isn't as valuable as he used to be anymore. Jesus, because they asked for something that God did not do, his value diminished before them. To Mary, that value was as strong as it was in spite of many years. Number two, to Mary, Jesus deserved both public and secret worship. If you remember the story in John chapter 11, it was in their house. It was in a secret place. She sat at the feet of Jesus. It was a secret worship. Even in the open, there was no difference. It, she believed that he deserved both public and what? And private worship. His worship was the same. Number three, I believe that Mary noticed that Jesus deserved the devotion and true love. He deserved it. Number four, to Mary and to the other woman, no sacrifice is in excess. I'll say it again. To Mary and to the other woman, no sacrifice is what? Is in excess. It wasn't too much. It was never in excess. Time, closeness, did not halter Jesus' value, nor Mary's love for the master. How many of us are here tonight? Your love for the master and devotion and worship is still the same as it used to be when you first knew him. Now the key issue, I'm going to quickly do this. Who was Mary? That's the question many of us need to ask. Who was Mary? Why was this story very critical? Who was Mary? Why are we talking about this story? I believe, and I have a few questions that I'm going to ask. Listen to my questions. How is it that our commitment, devotion, love was increasing and cresting as the years go by? I'm going to say it again. Why, how is it that Mary's love, devotion was cresting and increasing as the years go by? So the more years she lived, the more love she had. The more years she lived, the more devotion she had. The more years she lived, the stronger a worship of the Lord, of the Master. More, one more question. How is it that she's so different from the crowd? How many of us are different from the crowd today? My third question. How is it? There's one more thing which I want us to notice. To notice. Why is it that Mary remain tender after many years. Hello? If you're not tender, you cannot in public begin to pour oil on the master. The tenderness of Mary was the same. She was, like Jesus said, if any man will come into this kingdom, he must be a child, remains a child. A tenderness never changed. That was what Mary was. In Luke chapter 10 verse 38, Let's quickly look at this Mary. Two instances. In Luke chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says she sat at Jesus' feet to hear the word of God. Now tonight, I became curious. Hallelujah. I became curious. I don't know how many of us are curious. 
I became curious because I was asking questions. How is it after many years this woman was like this? I saw the secret. This is the secret of Mary. Luke chapter 10. The Bible says she was always sitting at the feet of the master. Always hearing his word. Always listening to the master. Do you know church? As soon as we begin to walk away from the word of God, we begin to lose our worship. As you begin to walk away from the word of God, you begin to lose your tenderness. As you begin to walk away from the word of God, you begin to lose your devotion. This is the truth. What keeps you devotioned to God? What keeps you, what keeps you in the position of worship continually and sacrificing to him is your closeness to the master. Does he have his mouth in your ears? Is he speaking continually to you? How much value does the word of God hold in your life? This is a secret to me. That's one of the secrets that I saw. Ah, you know the reaction of Jesus? Because when she sat down to listen to Jesus, the Bible says, Martha, who was the sister? I believe she was the elder sister. Uh -uh. She's a younger one. She should be clearing things. She should be making preparation. She should be getting things ready. That's why we have to get our priorities right. Church, get your priorities right. He comes before every other thing. He comes before every other person. That's the emphasis in this scripture. I come before the poor. I come before every other preparation. Martha left everything, was preparing, getting food ready. And I thank God for women. Men, it wasn't like that. We love to get food ready. Jesus said, it's okay to eat. Don't forget they came for supper. Jesus said, when Martha just came and said, ah, how is it that she's sitting out here? She can't come and help me. And Jesus said, one thing is needful. And Mary has found that good part. I love the way he ended that sentence. You know what he said last? Which no one will be able to take away from her. Do you know one good part no one can take from you? From you? The understanding of God in your life. No one can take it. Look, they will take your garment they did to Joseph. They took the garment of Joseph. They stripped him. But you know what? They could not take his dream away. They could not take his love for God away. They could not take his obedience from God away. They can take your house. They can take your garment. They can take everything you got. But no one will be able to take your God away from you. Your devotion. Your heart will never be taken away. I don't care what you have lost in life. You could lose everything. But don't lose him. When you lose him, you lost everything. I don't care what you possess. If you possess everything the world has got to offer. But if you miss him, you've missed everything. You've missed everything. Jesus said, if you have me, you got everything. I love Paul the apostle. You know how Paul reacted to this? He said, having nothing yet possessing all things. Do we remember Paul? Paul says, having what? Nothing yet possessing all things. What do, what do you think Paul had? He was a tent maker. He had no money. He had no bank account. But he had something that the world can never take away. He had Jesus. One thing is needed for. And Mary has found a good part. My prayer for this assembly is that each of us will find that thing that is needful. Find it that is needful. Mary found it. That woman found it. Find it. Number two reason. I saw the secret of Mary. I'm going to close. When Jesus came to raise Lazarus in John chapter 11, Martha quickly ran out when they told him Jesus was coming and was she just developed verbal diarrhea. She just kept talking. Have you done? And Jesus said, calm down. <laughs> After talking, she knew Jesus wasn't listening to her. She came inside. Mary was, the Bible said, and Mary stayed in the house. And she came to Mary and said, the Bible says she says secretly, the master is here. And Mary came out. The first sentence that was going to come out of Mary's mouth 
if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Please, when you get back home, study that scripture. The Bible says, as she said it, Jesus became troubled in the spirit. It was out of that instance, the Bible says, and Jesus wept. And the Bible says, as she came out of the house, she knelt before Jesus at his feet. She never lost that tenderness. She never lost it. Now, the other part which I'm going to close tonight is this. Luke chapter 7 that we read. You know what happened there? This, the Bible says this woman was a sinner. She came to Jesus for two reasons. She needed forgiveness and she needed affection. She came and said, Master, everybody was looking at her. She ignored the criticism. She ignored the insinuation of everybody. One thing she came for was the master. She came and Jesus looked at her and she said, go and sin no more. Now listen to me today. Similar stories. She poured the oil. Do you know many of us came through the door of salvation to worship him? As the years go by, we lose our worship. We lose our devotion. We lose our commitment to God. We lose our sacrifice. Jesus, in this scripture, we're given two pictures of how we came in and how we will remain. Church, this is why we have been broken. Broken for a purpose, to become an instrument of worship, of devotion to God. You came in through the door of devotion. I remember the song we sang when we gave our lives to Christ. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus. Things I love before. I love them. Things I love before. I love them no more. Things are different now. Something happened to me. When I gave my life to Jesus. How is it today? We were broken that time because God was not looking for people who would develop, who would be having French leave from him. Come one week, two months, and they're gone from him for another six months. And they come back again after two years. He wants consistent worship. Can we stand together tonight? I know this is not power. This is not some, but I believe this is a secret. This is what is going to maintain your consistent work with God. Let's stand up to pray. Broken for a purpose. We live every day of our lives for this reason. Hallelujah to Jesus. We've been broken for a purpose. He has delivered you for a purpose. This woman came. Her sin was forgiven. She was let go. But we saw in Mary that even years after, our love for God must continually increase. It must never diminish. The value that Jesus holds in our lives must continually increase. It must never diminish. The devotion that we have with him must be up to the, up to the brim of how we started with him. The worship that we have for him. We saw in David. David was worshiping and dancing before the, before the Lord in reckless abandon. He forgot about himself and said, well, hallelujah, anyhow. I don't care what others say. I don't care what is. I just want to worship him. He's all that I got. Outside of him, I have nothing. With him, I've got everything. Paul said, having nothing, yet possessing nothing. Let's just speak to the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I know I came in through the door of brokenness. I came in through the door of worship. I came in through the door of devotion to you. Lord, 
I want to thank you today for saving my soul, for delivering me from the hand of the enemy, for setting me free. I give you praise tonight. I worship you, O oh God. I exhort you tonight. I bless you, O oh God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for paying the price for me. I lift up your name tonight, O oh God. I bless you. Thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. I want us to pray tonight. That's the only prayer I want us to pray. Lord, let me love you. Lord, let me be devoted to you. Lord, I want to live constantly in worship. The Bible said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. How does the truth come? It comes through the word. How do we worship in spirit? By ignoring every distraction and making him the holy object of our worship. Tonight I want us to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to become the holy object of worship in my life. I want to become the only thing that I care about. Lord, let, let my heart seek after you. Everything we've got in the world, everything we have, everything we'll ever have, they cannot be compared in value with him. He is a great God. He loves us so much that he died for us. He paid the ultimate price for you and for me that we may live eternally with him. No one will love us like he does. No one will care for us like he does. No one will prepare the future for us like he does. Tonight, I want to worship Lord. Give my heart to you. I give my whole life to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, this is my life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Let's close our eyes as we pray. Father, we thank you. We're not in this place to play church. We're here to unfold the eternal plan of God. We thank you for your divine love for us. You're teaching us one thing that can make us different from the crowd. In many assemblies today, we have people coming in their numbers. But how many people are truly devoted to you? How many people are truly broken? Broken to worship. We see in our midst discord and fight. We see gossip and slandering. Because we were not broken. Some of us have lost touch with you. Tonight we just pray, Spirit of the living God. We thank you for this privilege you've given to us. To feast on your word. Thank you for taking us through the door of worship. Bringing us into the kingdom. Lord, we were broken when we first knew you. We came to you with expectancy in our hearts. We knew we had no other person but you. But suddenly, as the years go by, the enemy began, began to play pranks on our minds. We began to love other things. We began to love life more than you. We began to care about life more than you. We began to care about things more than you. But tonight, we are refining and rediscovering your grace. I want us to lay our hands on our hearts and say, Lord, let me rediscover grace tonight. Let me rediscover your grace. That devotion and love and worship. Let me rediscover it. Let me rediscover that devotion and love for you. Let your love be replanted in my heart as it was when I first knew you. Many of us those days, we will never watch an unbeliever go in without talking to them about Jesus. Many of us those days, we will wake up and say, Lord, all I want to say today is that I love you. Father, tonight, as we lay our hands upon our hearts, touch our hearts. Let there be a miracle 
in our hearts. Set us free from every encumbrance of life that has had us bound. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. How many of us are blessed tonight? How many of us are blessed tonight? This is the key issue. This is what we need to hold tenaciously. This is where God wants us to live. And you know what? When we do this, you will never lack. Hallelujah. You will never lack. I know some other time God is going to help me to finish. I couldn't finish. God will give me grace. The Bible says Jesus said she will never be forgotten. You will never be forgotten when you, when you love him. You will be remembered forever.